0: Is in We've got time here on The Breakfast Show, which means we're about to get into our Bible study. Before we do, we have questions for the quiz, uh, along with text messages, finding out what you had to say during the first half of the show today. Lawson. H- hold on, Lyle. I'm finishing the meme I'm making. You. Oh, okay. 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 So yeah, this now, awesome okay, now I'm this ready to go. Now I'm, gonna, I'm ready to go. Okay. I think my meme my meme that lawson lyle
1: lyle's like comes up with meme ideas and then he's like i am the most comedic person of all time and but then i have to make them for him (laughs) because i don't know how to make memes.
0: (laughs) we'll put it up on the uh we'll put it up on the faith fm uh, um uh facebook page for you sure so you can see that we we collaborated (laughs) we collaborated
1: (laughs) (laughs) Collaborate I'm doing air quotes right now We could Nah, nah, it was Lyle's on you Okay, here we go Let's have another question For the quiz In John 13, 34 Jesus commanded us To love one another What he really meant Is for us to love one another And this is multiple choice A Accept those different With different political And religious perspectives B Only if they treat you The way that you feel You should be treated C Unless they are annoying d unless you have a bad day or are tired or can't be bothered, or e love one another, no excuses, no exceptions, and no negotiations let me let me run through that one more time in John They've got quite a few different
0: in john thirteen
1: thirty four Jesus commanded us to love one another, and what he really meant was love one another a except those with different political and religious views b. Only if they treat you the way you feel you should be treated. C, unless they're annoying you. D, unless you have had a bad day or are tired or can't be bothered. Or E, love one another with no excuses, no exceptions, and no negotiations. 0491 064 669 is the number to call if you know the answer. If you do, you will go into the running to win our Days of Daniel board game, an incredible champion of faith that you'll be able to play with your friends, with your kids, whoever you'll be able to learn about the story of Daniel and, and work your way through it. Absolutely.
0: Okay, heading over text messages, we've got this one here. says, once freedom of speech is gone, freedom is gone. Mm. Like frogs in the slowly boiling pot we have been cooking for a long time, but we only noticed the last few years. That Let's enjoy what freedoms we still have left. And, you know, when I read that text message there, I think the majority of people are still slowly boiling in the pot. Hmm." I think the majority of people don't actually realize the legal precedents that are being created that are removing our freedom of speech. Mm. And as a result of that, we need to absolutely get out there and make the most of the freedom that we still have by sharing the gospel. Mm. You know, we can we can use that freedom to do so many different things, but it is the sharing of the gospel that is the most important part of freedom of speech that we can Involve ourselves in. Okay, emotional well-being. So many people don't have a good breakfast today and a cup of coffee is the only energy they get till hopefully morning tea. A good way to destroy your health, absolutely. Mm. A good breakfast should keep you going till one or two in the afternoon. Mm. That's how it works for me. I might be eating a little bit later in the morning than what I do, but that's all right. Not everyone does breakfast radio. (laughs) Um, I have been using filtered water for 35 years and you can really taste the difference in tap water. hmm in all fairness, let's count our blessings to actually have water. While, many, while my understanding of world end time events is pretty good, my stress level is actually in excellent condition. Reason being is that I let God take care of my problems. Mm. He never lets me down. Amen. Absolutely praise God for that. And you certainly can taste the difference between good water and bad water. And I just need to speak for myself. My brain doesn't work; doesn't even function until food hits my stomach. Mm. It's one of those first things that I do in the morning is have breakfast. I do that before the breakfast show because I can't do breakfast show in empty stomach. And 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 here's the thing: mm. some people who have just been having the coffee breakfast and then their first meal at morning tea. Mm. Find it hard to actually transition across, but if you do take the five or six weeks it's going to, to take to transition across to having breakfast and no morning tea, you will have so much more energy without the coffee. Mm, so you can true. go caffeine free and you will have so much more energy. It's just logical that working on an empty stomach is not going to give you, you're not going to have energy to do
1: that. Yeah, that's right. I personally have a little bit of a testimony with this. I quit caffeine around the age of 18. Uh, Previous to that, I was drinking about four Red Bulls a day. (laughs) And yeah, this is maybe something I said on the breakfast show before, but yeah, I was in a pretty bad way. And actually it had really adverse effects on my health. I think like my, on my skin, on so many things, it was just negatively impacting. Um, But yeah, I've, cut caffeine out of my life and i regularly do breakfast radio and by regularly
0: i mean every day and yes i get through it absolutely all right in the news 53 percent of small businesses can't afford to pay pay bills soon only the multinational companies will remain part of the plan it's working Mm. yeah we see it it's written right there in james chapter five the first five six verses anyone wants to go and read it global financial crisis is just outlined there in plain simple language mm. all right let's head over to our Bible study it must be Bible study time so let's go to first Samuel chapter 3 and we're gonna start reading let me just see where we will start reading this is this is early on in the story of Samuel so we probably should give a little bit of background to this now we're can start reading in verse 1. First Samuel chapter three and
1: verse one. I was like find it here in my bible. You know, it's it's weird sometimes like I have bibles with physical pages, but I I don't really grapple onto a bible that's this big. With our NLT Bible in the studio is just like massive and usually I'm using my phone to get around. So, okay, 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. The bible says, "Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli." Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite
0: uncommon. Okay, so this is an interesting situation that has taken place in Israel because what has happened is that Eli, who is the high priest, mm-hmm. is very elderly mm-hmm. and frail, starting to go blind, you know, the kind of things that often happen, You know, probably some cataracts coming on, as your old age increases. Mm. Eli has been entrusted to his care probably from around the age of three. Which has been delightful for him, and Eli and and Samuel is just—you know—he's just a great kid. Sure. And between the two of them, they're running the services of the sanctuary. Mm. But it's not just the two of them, because you also have Hophni and Phineas, who are the sons of Eli. Mm. And Hophni and Phineas have been making the service of God stink. Mm. You know, you look at the church leaders and the church pastors around these days who. You know, they go and get themselves involved in a great scandal, and it makes Christianity just stink. Mm. And people don't want to have anything to do with them. I mean, we just look at what happened with, you know, the paedophile ring that existed in the Catholic Church here in the Newcastle Hunter region, yeah. and how many people have turned away from God because of that. Yeah, wow. Well. and uh, that's the very definition of Hoffney and Phineas right there. Mm. In today's world, there would have been a royal commission looking into what these guys were getting up to. Mm. These guys would go, you know, you, you would come to worship God. You come to the temple to worship God. You brought your sacrifice to worship God. Hophni and Phineas would be there, and they'd be like, you know what? Uh, you need to give me that sacrifice because I want to eat it. Mm. And you'd be like, no, no, no. This is for the sacrifice. This is for the worship of God. And like, if you don't give it to me, I'll take it by force. Mm. You can read it there. It's, it spells it out in. In, uh, in chapter two. And then you're a woman who comes to the temple
1: to worship God. And then you get preyed upon by yes. the priests. These
0: two priests off the Infinity were serial sexual predators. Yeah. There's no other way of describing it. And that's how they operated. So mm-hmm. from the guys who came there, they'd steal your sacrifice. Mm hmm. You go home. You've got no spiritual fulfillment. You haven't offered a sacrifice. It's been stolen from you. Often Phineas have eaten it. Yeah, and you know, it's a bummer. Yeah, because you went there to worship, and you know, you know the joy that you and I have when 100%. we go to church on Sabbath and we had a great worship experience. How would you feel? Is every time you went to church, you would get you would get your stuff stolen, mm-hmm. and your wife or your girlfriend preyed upon? Yeah, and. And, and it's sexually harassed,
1: yeah, it went a lot further than just 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 Har- a, harassment. harassment, yeah, that's right, It's a terrible situation,
0: yeah, I mean, you imagine a lot of a lot of I think a lot of the women would have been harassed, and a, quite a large number would have been fully preyed upon, mm-hmm. so this was really, really awful. Samuel's there, and Samuel is a sweet kid who loves God mm. and he loves serving God, and he's kind of keeping things operating because. Eli's starting to get a little bit past it all. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491 064 669. It's interesting that one of the things, and by the way, we'd love to uh, to hear your thoughts on the Bible study this morning, but one of the things that God says very, very clearly, it's a principle, in fact, that runs throughout Scripture, and it's called the, the principle of the law and the prophets. Mm. And whenever God's people went away mm. from the law, God stopped speaking through the prophets. Mm. And whenever God's, whenever the law and the prophets were there together, God would speak through the prophets. Law is done away with. God stopped speaking. Mm. You know, kind of. A lot of people ask the question, and we had a little bit of a discussion about it here, I think, off air yesterday, about you know, Christians who have this view that the gift of prophecy only existed and died out with the apostles. Yeah, that's not exactly what happened. There were many, many other prophets who were mentioned in the New Testament to begin with. But the reason that Christians come to that view is because the gift of prophecy did disappear from throughout the Dark Ages. Yeah. It vanished. Mm. Why did it vanish? The answer is really simple. It's found right from one end of the Bible to the other. When the law of God was done away with, the gift of prophecy disappeared. Oh, that's such a good point, eh?
1: Yeah, we were talking about this, like, I think definitely in Reformed circles, they're like, oh, because it's kind of that counteraction to what we see in the charismatic circles, where it's like, everyone's a prophet, everyone speaks in non-biblical tongues now, you know, we've got the Holy Spirit, and then the reform movement in response is like, nope, there's no prophecy, there's no, no tongues, you know, even though they have, no, both sides have no scriptural evidence
0: to back up. When was there what ever a doing? time in history when everyone was a prophet? Never. Yeah. You had one person, sometimes two at the most, who had mm-hmm. that lifetime calling. Mm-hmm. You had significant gaps in between mm-hmm. where people relied on the writings of the prophets that had come before. You didn't have a the situation. There's not a biblical mm-hmm. model for everyone to be a prophet. But there simply isn't
1: a verse in the Bible that tells you that prophecy is completely done away with. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> but reformed people are like, oh, yeah, now there's no tongues of prophecy. But we see a situation here, yeah, just getting back to why would it be that prophecy and tongues and the other spiritual gifts are sparse because of rejecting of God.
0: Absolutely. Mm. All right, it is all there. And of course when you come down to the remnant church, you know, the Bible says here are those that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony, the gift of mm. prophecy. Yeah. Commandments of God and the gift of prophecy. Yeah. You jump Chain in hand. You jump into is it the book of
1: Revelation twelve, seventeen. Zechariah? Zechariah. Is that old men will dream dreams and young men?
0: That is Joel Joel, Joel, Joel. Oh, yes, one off, yeah, when the law of God is restored, and people start to keep the law of God again, then the gift of prophecy returns. Yeah. It's that simple,, mm-hmm. okay, so the Bible to says here that you know the, the word from the Lord is very sparse in those days, god mm-hmm. wouldn 't have much to say because of the priests that were ministering, and it was a pretty sad kind of a situation, but you 've got Samuel, who is. There, and he loves God. Let's keep reading. Let's read a whole bunch of this. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had
1: gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not know yet that the Lord be, uh, that did not know yet did not yet know, sorry, that the Lord uh, was calling him because he had never received a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel replied, speak. Your servant is listening.
0: Okay, let's stop there for a moment because the rest of this goes on. With the message that God had for Samuel, which would be pretty traumatic for a kid. Yeah. It That's right. It you know, in in verse twelve, what does it say there? In that uh, verse eleven, the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that hears it shall tingle. Mm. Yeah, My gonna, Bible yeah. just says a shocking thing. A shocking thing. Mm. Yeah, so this is a shocking message that Samuel has given. Okay, so there's something we can learn from this passage because this is all about listening to the voice of God and hearing the voice of God. Mm. And it takes a little while for Eli to actually recognize what is going on. Mm. And the third time is like, okay, something's happening here. Mm. Of course, this is when the temple was at Shiloh. Yes. And this was the original one. That Moses built. Yeah. They still have it and they're still using it. I mean, Mm. this thing is old at this time. Really, really old. And it's also interesting that Samuel was sleeping in the temple. Yeah, next to the Ark of the Covenant. Well, he would have been next to the Ark of the Covenant, but in the holy place Mm -hmm. because he can't go into the most holy place. Sure. But, yeah, he's sleeping there in the temple and the Bible says that the lampstands are still burning while he's there Uh and that was part of his job Uh was to keep those lamps burning all night long. Uh So I guess it makes sense. Mm -hmm. You you often don't think about the temple in those kind of aspects. Mm. But uh, he receives this this call which is so distinct and so clear, he goes running to Eli. Mm. And this would not have been something unusual at night time Eli's half blind. Anything he needs, he's going to rely on Samuel mm. for. Okay. Eli recognizes it and says, all right, if the voice comes again the third time, say, speak, Lord, and see what happens mm. um, and see what kind of message you get. Okay, so the question is this, and I'm going to throw this out for you as a listener this morning. Have you ever heard that still, small voice, of the Holy Spirit, mm. but ignored it.
1: Mm. Now, that's the,
0: that's, the, that's the really heavy part of the question right there. Have you heard that voice and have you ignored it? Mm. I think for probably all of us, we have at times. Mm. A lot of people ask me the question, I never hear the voice of God, and I think, okay, what was the last time that you saw this or did that that was wrong? What did God say? Mm. Uh, for instance, I'll, I'll, I'll just toss it out here. Lawson. the last time that you were on, in an online environment and something inappropriate came up on your screen, what did God say? <laughs> don't, don't look. Just don't look. Move yeah. on. Yeah. Click out of that. Mm. Right. It happens. Right. Mm. And uh, what do we what do we do with that? Because a lot of people are like, oh, okay, that's the voice of God because of the voice of our conscience speaking. Mm. The more you practice listening to the voice of God, the clearer the voice of God becomes. Mm. The more you practice not listening to the voice of God, the fainter mm. the voice of God becomes. And so the only way that we can actually really understand and practice listening to the voice of God is by acting on it, Mm. each time we hear that voice. If we don't act on it, it becomes harder and harder to hear. Mm. Okay, so the question is this. Have you ever heard that still small voice of the Holy Spirit and ignored it? Consequently, everything went wrong and you thought to yourself, Oh, no, why didn't I listen? That's written right there in the Bible study. I think we can probably all relate to that. Yeah. Maybe you've got a story that you can share where you can relate to that. Mm. You know, Maybe you've got a story you can share where you heard the still small voice of God. I was reading a great testimony recently about a guy who was flying mail during the 1930s in the United States. Mm. I mean, this is airplanes that are made out of wood and paper mm. with very, very basic instruments. And he's flying from Chicago to New York at night, leaves at 2 o'clock in the mornings, pitch dark, hits a massive storm and this still small voice comes to him and says, just climb. Mm. And so he just climbs and climbs and climbs and he's like, why am I climbing <clears throat> at 18,000 feet where the air is pretty thin and he he's struggling to breathe and all that kind of stuff but he was able to stay conscious. He breaks out of the cloud. Mm. And beneath him there is nothing as far as the eye can see in the crystal clear moonlight, just cloud. Mm. And hour after hour after hour he just flies, Mm. just following a compass bearing, doesn't know whether that compass bearing is accurate, doesn't know know how much wind drift he's getting, doesn't know how far he's being blown off course, doesn't know whether his compass is even working properly and he's flying in the opposite direction. Mm. No idea where he is, but there's cloud underneath of him. Waits for the sun to come up. Eventually, the sun comes up over the horizon. Sss, running low on fuel, got half an hour's fuel left. Is like, well, down we go, mm. hoping that, hoping and praying there's no cloud and there's no rocks in those clouds. Mm. Breaks out underneath and 500 feet of clear. Finds where he is. Wow. Three other pilots didn't listen to that voice that night. They all died. Wow. It's important to vis- listen to the still small voice. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Lawson, let's have our final question for our quiz today.
1: Final question for the quiz. Fill in the blank. A double-minded man is blank... In all his ways. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win our amazing days with the days of Daniel board game, which we'll give you absolutely for free. But again that question was double-minded man is blank in all his ways. Zero four nine one zero six four.
0: Six six nine. Okay, so we're going to go back to First Samuel chapter three. We're going to read a few more verses here, and we're going to actually find out what does God say was the problem with Eli's sons that they were so bad. Mm. What does it? What does? What does God say about this? Let's uh, pick the story up in uh, verse eleven. We said verse. We read verse eleven a moment ago, but let's read verse eleven down through. Uh, Let's see here. Verse 14, 11 to 14.
1: 11 to 14. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed... That his that the sins sorry I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings.
0: Okay, pretty pretty uh, pretty heavy stuff, right there. It's one of the very few places in the Bible where a person's probation is closed while they're mm. still alive. Hophni and Phineas are still alive, and God's like, "That's it. Their probation is closed. It's over for them. They they will not be saved. Mm. They have gone past the point of return. They have been so blasphemous." that they have cut themselves off entirely from the voice of the Mm. Holy Spirit. They have no conscience left, and I can't Mm. save them. Mm. And he proclaims that. I mean, imagine getting that kind of news. Imagine being a father and getting that, you know, as a parent you always would live in hope that your children would be saved, and now you have the absolute assurance Mm. they won't. Mm. It's heavy here. And what was the problem? Let's look at, um, verse thirteen, verse, verse thirteen. Tell us is exactly 13. what the problem is. You I have to think have about
1: Warned it. him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God, and he hasn't disciplined them.
0: There it is, right there. God came to Samuel over and over. Sorry, God came to Eli over and over again, and said, "You need to discipline your sons," but he didn't. He just didn't. Text message coming through here says, "I feel so sad that Eli was such a weak father." But even sadder is that Samuel's sons were no better, and were partly responsible for the division of Israel into two two and ten tribes. Sorry, into into two ten tribes against two. David wasn't much better. Mm. Fathers be faithful. The failures of Eli and Samuel and David's and others actually give us hope. God is good. Okay, so when you when you look at this passage here, there is something familiar Mm. that runs through it, and that is lack of discipline. Yeah. Lack of consequences. It begins with Eli. Eli models it to Samuel. Samuel, it seems, doesn't learn the lesson. Samuel then models it to David. David doesn't learn the lesson. And you've got three weak fathers in a row who do not discipline their children, who do not set boundaries for their children. And as a result of that, Israel divides up. And it's definitely a problem in this day as well. I got a
1: text message here from Julian. She says, this, this is pretty heavy. She says, in my country, they are worse than Hophni and Phineas. They are taking advantage of young girls plus ladies in the name of the Lord, anointing their whole bodies without wearing clothes uh, with oil, telling the young ladies to do likewise um, and then abusing them. Uh, uh, or, before marriage, they are, they demand to test the bride uh, before blessing the marriage. The ladies claim they are touched with the oil uh, and that some use con- lose consciousness and they just oblige. Very pathetic, an abomination, uh, what they are doing in the name of God. they even breaking marriages through that use of holy oil.
0: This is a wild story
1: right this, there. That is... Insane.
0: I don't know what country that is, and I don't know what religious practice that is, but that is pretty wild stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, obviously, it's it's something that is claiming to be Christian, um, but but what we're like that—that's outrageous. Like that is just disgusting. And and we sit here in the studio this morning, like you read something like that, and your that's heart cultish just, behavior just drops.
0: Like in the modern definition of cult, not the traditional definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's cultish behavior. Definitely. You know, This is the kind of thing that a sicko cult leader would come up with.
1: Yeah. <sighs> but what I think what we're seeing here, like in that situation, is also a lack of accountability and a lack of discipline. Yes. And so we can see this problem run right throughout. Indeed.
0: Mm. Yes, indeed we can. All right. So this is a this is a problem and we need to look at it from the perspective of God. And this you know, I've talked about this before, but I'm going to talk about it again. If you go back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, you have your perfect illustration there of parenting. Because mm. God is the parent and Adam and Eve are the children. Mm. And God comes to Adam and Eve and God sets boundaries and and says, You know, you can go anywhere, you've got absolute freedom, but you can't touch this tree over here. Mm. Don't go anywhere near it. Don't touch it, don't eat from it, or you will die. Mm. And the temptation for parents, of course, is when your children test the boundaries is to always go and feel bad, like, oh, I don't want to discipline my children because I always feel bad when my children are sad. Mm. But when Adam and Eve tested the boundaries, God didn't move the boundaries. Mm. God, God didn't give them a second chance, didn't count to three, didn't do any of those kind of things. They tested the boundaries. The boundaries were there. They came under the condemnation of death. It was that Mm. simple. On the flip side, you've got Satan's way of raising children because it was Satan who came along in the Garden of Eden and says, you know, as God said, you'll surely die. You won't surely die. It was Satan who said, there are no consequences. Mm. God said, there will be consequences for your actions. Satan said, there won't be any consequences. Mm. So here's, here's the thing. If we set boundaries for our children and we set consequences for breaking those boundaries. Your children who have a sinful nature will test those boundaries and the reason that Mm. they're testing those boundaries is because they feel insecure and they are trying to find security and they are desperately trying to find something solid in their life. And so you say don't touch that. They will touch it because they want to be disciplined. They want to know that. That mm. is a firm boundary. Mm. Once there is a firm boundary established, they will be happy and they will mm. be content. But what so often happens is that, you know, they push the boundaries and we're like, don't do that. And they push it some more. And we're like, don't do that. And they push it some more. If you do that, I'm going to do this. Well, you've already said that before. Mm. And what they're doing is they're noticing that that boundary is moving, is moving, is moving, is moving, and the more it moves, the more insecure they feel and the more ratty they become and it creates a vicious cycle of bad behavior. Mm. And what you are doing is exactly what Satan did in the Garden of Eden. You, by your actions, are stating to your children there are no consequences. Mm. It was Satan who said, you will not surely die. Mm. It was Satan who said, there's no consequences. Mm. God said there are consequences. They did the thing, the consequences came. Mm. When the children, we give them boundaries, and when they do the thing, the consequences should come. Mm. When they don't come, we're raising our children in the image of Satan, not the image Mm. of God. And this is what the Bible says that Eli did. It's no wonder that probation closed on his children. He raised them in the image of Satan. Yeah, wow. Because he refused to discipline them. Mm. He refused to... To provide consequences, the Bible says that God, God says, "As many as I love, mm. I chasten, I discipline, I bring consequences to those that I love. If you don't bring consequences, you can't love you. You can't love your children like that. That's right. And this is why the Bible says that here in in verse fourteen, uh, sorry, verse thirteen, He restrained them not." And so we got really important lessons that we need to learn from this story of listening to God, listening for the voice of God, but also in relationship to setting boundaries and parenting. Great text message coming through here um, from from, uh, Raphael, which just highlighted that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We've come to the time in which Lawson is about to tell us a whole bunch of answers for the quiz question. That's right. The fleece was in a
1: wet condition when Gideon found it after he put it out the first time. It was Romans 6.23. That's where the verse is found. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It was frogs that came out of the mouths of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet in john 13 34 jesus commanded us to love one another with no exceptions no excuses or no negotiations and finally fill in the blank the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways but right now it is time for
0: question of the day
1: In 1st Peter 3:19 it says in which also having gone he preached to the spirits in prison who are spirits Jesus preach preaches who are the spirits that Jesus preached to and where is the prison he goes to and what type of prison is this Darren asked that one
0: Yeah it's a really good question okay so uh, I've got two ways two different ways of answering this question I can answer it from Christian tradition or I can answer it from the Bible which do you want Uh both Oh, yeah. Okay. So according to Christian tradition, uh, we'll start with this one, Jesus, when he died on Calvary, didn't actually die. He stayed alive and went and preached to people who had been lost, uh, antediluvians who had been lost and got them all saved. Mm. Uh, so So he went down to hellfire and preached to people that were in hellfire, that were living in hellfire. That's Christian tradition. Okay, you won't find a word of that. Anywhere in Scripture. That is simply the wild imagination of somebody who made it up a very long time ago and started to say it so often that people began to believe it and these days kind of take it as a given. They don't really question it. They just assume, yeah, of course that's what the Bible says somewhere. Mm. Well, actually, it doesn't. It's only in Christian tradition. That's one of these really awkward ones where it's like Ooh, cringe a little bit because... There's nothing in the Bible about that. Okay, so let's see what the Bible does say in relationship to this particular passage. And the context is given in verse 18, which helps us to understand how. The key to understanding this question is to understand how it was that Jesus preached to the spirits in prison. Mm. In verse 18, it says, For Christ also has once suffered for us, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but made alive by the Spirit. That's a reference to the fact that the Holy Spirit was one of the members of the Godhead that raised Jesus from the dead. Mm. The Bible says the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus says he raised himself from the dead. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. You've got all three members of the Godhead involved there. But the key here is made alive by the Spirit. Mm. The next sentence reads, or the next phrase reads, by which. Mm. So what's the grammatical antecedent to by which? It is the Holy Spirit. Mm. So by the Holy Spirit, he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Mm. Okay, so what's this a reference to? Clearly this is not a reference to Jesus going to hellfire while he was hanging on the cross and was dead. Mm. No, this is a reference to Jesus preaching to people by the Holy Spirit. Okay, when was that? Is there any reference here to him hanging on the cross when he does this? No, it tells us exactly when this took place. It's where it says, which sometime in the past, you know, sometime, were disobedient. Okay, when was it? Here comes the when. When? Once the patience of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Okay, so there's you went. So here's what we've got: we've got the means by which this happened. It was Jesus preaching by the Holy Spirit. The time period was the antediluvian world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what does it mean to be in prison? Well, we simply go to Romans chapter seven. And the answer is right there in very plain language. Let's scroll down here to verse 23. I see a law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity. Being in prison is being in captivity, right? Mm -hmm. Bringing me in captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So to be in captivity, to be in prison is to be in captivity to the sinful nature, Mm. to be unconverted, Yes. simply put. Mm-hmm. Alright, so here's what we've got. Jesus was preaching to antediluvians who were unconverted. Shite yeah. simple. Alright, when was this? The Bible says at the time of the flood. Do we have confirmation of that? Yes. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, the Bible says the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Yet his days will be a 120 years. In other words, God comes along and says, Look, I'm going to work on your hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit for a 120 years, and then the flood will come. So did Jesus preach to the antediluvians who were in captivity to sin at the time of the flood? Absolutely he did. And that is exactly what Peter is saying. And then he goes on to say that after that, eight souls were saved in the ark. All right, there we have it. That's the answer to the question. One final text message coming through here, adding balance to what we were talking about parenting earlier. Mm. So I think this is important. It says, in all fairness, we also know that even when parents discipline their children, it may not work. Later in life, the children might learn the hard way, hopefully. Mm. I got a text message here as well. It says, thanks for
1: exploring about. Uh, this about Eli. I saw the exact same issue on television yesterday. I keep learning stuff I wish I had known before being a parent and how to put it into practice. I wasn't really a big boundary pusher. My son, on the other hand, saying no and explaining why is is constant. uh, (laughs) And being the bad guy is more important than being seen as a friend. He can push over when he doesn't get his own
0: way. It's so true mm. and you know just looking at, uh, at this one here where you know parents can do all of the right things mm. we've got to remember that God as a parent in a perfect universe with children as in angels and so forth that were sinless mm. lost Satan and a third of the angels mm. there's, there's no guarantee everybody has their individual power of choice that's right yeah. don't forget to talk faith to live faith act faith and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ God be with you.
1: Securely for you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet we meet again. Jesus.
0: God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-80-Faith FM.